You are listening to the Quest for 100, a discussion on everything you never knew you wanted to know. And now your hosts, Justin and Brian. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Quest, and the winning number is 100. <laughs> you are listening to. The quest for honey. We're really good at dad jokes here, um, and like bad dad jokes. I don't even know if they qualify as dad jokes, but um, but yeah, we are we are here with a special episode. I, I know I say this often. I know I say special a lot. It's been a while though is, that you've said special though. I'll be honest. I know. Maybe I've lo- we've lost the specialness yeah. being in quarantine, Brian. But but this one is special. Uh, we are joined by a very close friend of mine. Uh, who is an expert in this category to join myself justin and brian who is here uh we have my buddy scott how's it going scott good how you guys doing can't complain good yeah still in quarantine still yes almost yeah. still six months almost six months now six months 10 years somewhere in between yeah. this yeah yeah it feels like 10 years yeah seriously yeah. But, uh, yeah, we uh, we're obviously doing this this episode. We've we've brought Scott on because he this is an interesting one. We've had guest episodes before, and it's usually uh, and not to say that this isn't for you, but it is usually someone who is really passionate about something in particular. Uh, maybe it's a pop culture topic or something like that. But you are you might be the the highest registered expert that we actually have because it is your job to be an expert in this category in many ways. But, uh, but before we like dig into all this, you know, and, and I want to ask you, Scott, get, give us a little bit of background on who you are and, and why we, we brought you onto this episode. Did you um, say we're talking about the lottery? I don't think you have even said that. Did I? I said it. I don't think you well, did. If I didn't, if I didn't, okay. someone clicked on it, Brian. I think that's a, okay. That's a poor intro host. Like, like you're trying well, to. You, you went know, straight into your dad joke and. Well, could, you threw me off. Okay, you laughed. <laughs> you laughed in a in a sarcastic way. Um, there was yeah. some cringing going on. It threw me off my game. But yes, today we're talking about the lottery with our lottery expert, Mr. Scott Lottery. Before uh, I, I talk anymore, Scott, enlighten us on your um, your venture here. Sure. Yeah. So uh, thanks for the introduction, uh, Justin. Yeah, I've been in the lottery industry now for about seven years, working in product uh, and marketing for the last seven years. Started out in marketing research, doing research on new games, how lottery games perform, and then moved into working on products, which made everything from like design new games, creating new games, um, managing any promotions, any changes to those games. And, and I've worked in two different uh, states for those different products. So I spent my entire career really working in the lottery industry. And my focus in particular was on draw games, um, which is like Powerball, Mega Millions, that kind of stuff, things that get printed from the terminal with set numbers. How'd you get into that? Uh, it was, so where I was working, um, they had they just restructured um, basically how the lottery was going to be set up. 
they brought on a private marketing company that managed the marketing sales for the lottery. Um, and so they were ramping up their staff for this. And uh, I found out about it because my aunt had been working in the industry for a long time. It's over between like 20 and 30 years we've been working in the industry, knew that they were happening. And I was fresh out of grad school looking for an opportunity with having a research background for, from grad school to get in to get a job. So I uh, applied, we got in there and has have stayed in the industry the entire time since. Cool. Said this to a couple of people, um, if, if we're like catching up or like, what's, what's Scott up to or whatever? I'm like, he's working for the lottery. And then they'll ask me, what exactly does he do there? And I, I, I blank because you start using words and, and types of games and all this other stuff. And it's just, it's speaking another language sometimes. Sure. I think a lot of people kind of forget that lotteries are very much similar to like a balance of like gaming companies, like consumer packaged goods, because we have all retail locations. We mm-hmm. send stuff to relocate, relocate, like uh, retail locations. Plus, we develop all these different games like you would uh, just in the gaming industry. So we have this weird hybrid that people forget. Like they, Everyone knows what lottery is. They just sometimes forget how there's a whole bunch of people behind the scenes. Like for every single scratch-off ticket you see in the store, there's dozens and dozens of people that have to work on that scratch-off ticket to make it like perfect for when you get it um, and try and win a prize. What goes into creating a new game like or, or a, a type of game? Like... How, where do you even start? Yeah, so a lot of times there's, in the lottery industry, there's a lot of, we have a lot of different vendors that do the actual printing for us. And a lot of times they have uh, full teams of graph designers. The lottery also comes with their own design sometimes, where it really starts with coming up with just a ton of different looks and feels of what this game is. Like, um, you know, I'm sure if you've seen games around the holidays, There'll be games that have like a very much winter theme, like in one style, but then they'll have another one that's more whimsical. So we'll have all these different designs that they come up with. And then we go through different testing. Um, we'll do different testing, see how players respond to what they like better, what they don't like, um, and then start building. And at the same time, building out what the prize structures look like, which is then how the players do it. So really like it starts with just general, someone comes up with, uh, like I was in there when someone came up with like, I think it'd be cool to have a pizza ticket. So there was a graphic designer who designed a ticket that was pizza themed, and then went through the process of then developing and going from there. Because on the it's so it's a little bit different for each side. Like for the scratch offs, they'll go through the different testing, and then they'll do a whole bunch of working papers for it that define how you play the game, all the stuff with it, and then they'll do the the printing of it. Like these mass, like millions and millions of tickets on these printing presses. For draw games, I work on a little bit differently because it's more we have like um, a system like a very uh, sophisticated back-end electronic system so we just like develop this game using it we don't print anything but we develop it like uh, from a software standpoint and we develop the program using the same kind of working documents and stuff but all all research along the way all tested by different security outlets by different statisticians make sure the math works out until it finally gets able to be sold to consumers Hmm. so scott when you were testing are you are you looking for like this product is for a specific demographic? Like you're trying to reach a certain group of people when you build a game or is it just like, no, everybody, you know, we'll just try this holiday idea and everybody will love it. Um, so we generally like try to focus certain games with different, different markets. Um, so like we, 
we know that like during the holiday time that it's more generally bought across the board with lots of different players for it. So we try to make sure that when we're doing testing, we're, we're getting a good general population that's going to be potentially doing it, not just our very like core players. Um, so we try to look to see when we're developing the game, what who's the audience that we think this is initially going to appeal to. And then we start, when we're going through the testing, we try to confirm that. Um, or it sometimes doesn't get confirmed. We have to redesign certain things, but it's really... Yeah, we do try and focus on the, like who who is this appealing to? Like, because a lot of times we have core gamers, they might be looking for something entirely different than like a very casual walks in and sees uh, a ticket with a dog on it, and they're like, "That's my ticket." Like, doesn't play a lottery normally, but just saw the ticket, loved it, reminded them of their own dog, and then they'll buy it. Um, and that's an entirely different audience than like a core gamer who, unless they know what the prize structure is and the top prize is the design of it doesn't matter quite as much. Do you kind of cherry pick ideas from other states or other places? And then is there competition? Like, you know, especially in the East Coast, it being all so close together, like is there competition with other states? You know, it's because of a lottery industry, like every state runs their own, that like there's not a whole lot of competition between the states for like game designs and things like that. There's it's really like very open and sharing industry because of the fact that uh, someone in like, we I can't sell our tickets in another state. Like regardless how close it is, you can't physically buy our ticket from another state. You just can't. Um, so there's a lot more sharing across for these ideas, like what ideas work, like, um, and making sure that we collectively as an industry try and get and like propose that and push those type of things forward as they do really good things. Um, so sometimes I've I've seen designs that like I've developed with one particular designer. We designed the entire game. I've seen those games taken from a, in launch other jurisdictions, and it's never been like a like a, oh that's they're stealing our idea. It's it's just you know if our idea here worked for us and your idea worked for you in this other state, great because it's it's better better for us as an industry for like our other states are to do just as well because we're not competing for the same dollars. We're all just trying to share and give the most back to the beneficiaries is is there like a coalition or something like a, a group for all of them to be like to meet on wednesdays and be like let's share ideas like i feel like that would be beneficial yeah so there's a couple like industry organizations there's um there's naspol um and then there's muscle there's the acronym the acronyms for basically these they both basically have the acronyms for like being multiplied jurisdictions or like north america state and provincial lotteries i think is nasswells um and then there's a lot of industry there's a few different industry magazines that they hold conferences online conferences where it's really just sharing of ideas because it, yeah it's uh, you would think compared to like how intense some of the other types of gamings are about holding their secrets close a lot of times it's literally if I see something cool that like, here's a new technology they're doing in uh, this state next to us. I can call up the product manager that implemented it and be like, hey, how'd you guys do this? And they share the information, they share things to work, like the pros for it, cons for it, things to look out for, things that like they weren't expecting that came up. And it's really, it's a it's a great industry in that sense. Are, are most states, their lottery organizational structures similar like in terms of size and or does even that vary no it varies because they're like across this it's as you can imagine as like with 
if you think about how diverse all the states are anyway, in terms of like how they structure their governments, it's just as diverse. Like some places have a lot larger lottery staff than others. They have a lot of different budgets. They might have a whole bunch more, they have a whole bunch less. Um, and they're, so they're all, they might utilize other state agencies to support them, um, where others might do it independently, or they might have private marketers or contractors within it. So it all, it's, it's you, you really gotta like, like every state is very much unique. Um, like the, between the two different states I've worked for, it's a, it's almost like night and day how different some of the stuff is between the two, um, just in terms of how they're structured, because it's just, you know, these state, like lotteries for the most part, with the exception of a couple, are very old organizations, like dating back from the 70s and 80s, a lot of times, that they're structured very similarly to they were back then in terms of the state uh, hierarchy and structure. So Scott, is an employee, um, I know you're in between two different lotteries now, but as an employee, can you play the games? No. So you can't play, and this is, and this might vary between states too, but I'm pretty sure consistently no, no lottery, I'm pretty positive no lottery employees in the country can play games that are their own states. Um, not like we have any particularly uh, like secret knowledge of what things are going to happen or any of that kind of stuff that people assume. It's more just because it would be really bad advertising to see lottery employee wins with a giant check in front of them just from a PR, like a public trust standpoint. So we don't play. Um, uh, yeah, I can go to another jurisdiction, like another state, and if they don't offer the same game or like their scratch offs are considered different than our scratch offs, I can play in a different state from that. Um, but and but generally, for the most part, it's usually just like just when you start working for the lottery, you're done playing the lottery. And same thing with like your immediate households, not allowed to play anymore either. Hmm. Same with you national too. What did you say? Same with national as well. Yeah. Yeah. So if we like so Powerball. Um, every state offers Powerball. So like you can't buy Powerball in another state because your state sold it too. For the same reason yeah. that like lotteries are built on trust. It's a really, yeah. it's, a, it's a trust between us and the consumer and you don't want anything that looks like it's, we're violent that trust or like has any concerns with it. Yeah, yeah, it makes um, sense. In terms I, of the odds, you know, what are some of the better games, scratch offs? Like what- Yeah, what's, tips. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's like um, one of the things with lottery, it's almost kind of like asking someone for um, a restaurant recommendation because you're going to have to know like what they're interested in. And if someone says like, give me a good restaurant and you give them some place for seafood and they just don't hate seafood, like just doesn't like you have to kind of like blend them to what uh, like blend the game to what the person's looking for, you know? Um, because if you're looking for great odds of winning any time prize and higher price payouts, usually that would be scratch off tickets. I uh, get that media gratification of going for it. But they're but if you're looking for to win three hundred million dollars, like a billion dollars, you're not going to find that for a scratch off. You have to play Powerball and Mega Millions for that. Um, or if you're looking for a better chance to win like hundred thousand dollars or a medium prize or some state games that have better top prize odds than even the scratch offs do for it. So it's really about kind of finding what that person like why that person wants to play and like and then and then offering what and then trying to figure out what would be the best game to fit them hmm. well i think that leads right into our bearing the lead because i personally have never actually bought a lottery ticket or a scratch off ticket i've gotten scratch tickets before f for like 
gifts and and from people but I have never actually physically bought either of those. The one exception would be, you know, maybe it was like 2017 or 16, somewhere in there when it was like this massive, I think it was plus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I did, I did get into a group at work who um, bought a few tickets and, but I physically didn't buy them. I just, paid them you know a couple bucks and you know was gonna split it if we if we had a winning ticket but i have never yeah. physically gone up to the counter and said hey i want a, a lottery ticket yeah so if you want to me why why have you never have you never had any interest is it something that like you thought was maybe intimidating to go up like what is the reason Just behind that never had any interest never had any interest yeah sure. i am i'm not that far off from you i was a little shocked that you that you didn't do anything I have never bought a uh, like Powerball, Mega Millions, any of that stuff. I, I've never done that. Um, maybe I was in a pool that I can't remember and lost some money there, but um, but I do scratch tickets. Um, I, I do enjoy the scratch tickets. I won't get them very often. Um, I what we used to do actually growing up, we would have our stockings, and uh, in the stocking there was always three or four lottery tickets or whatever my mom or Santa would uh, would fill it with with some of that and I I always loved that and I'm a big fan of traditions around the holidays and that was one thing that I also carried over into our household so when I put make Alyssa's um, stocking or she makes mine we make sure we have lottery tickets in there and Alyssa loves my wife Alyssa for the listeners out there she loves lottery tickets. She she'll be the person that that um, or the scratch offs. She'll be the person at the grocery store that's like sees the machine and it's like, well, just one dollar, and it's like, all right, well, those dollars add up over time. But um, I think I, the most I ever won on a ticket was maybe a hundred bucks, which was exhilarating. That's um, not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, for as much as I've played, I've definitely spent like a hundred x what that is in my lifetime. But, um, but yeah, I was I think it was a hundred bucks on that one. But yeah, that's that's kind of my background. Be- Scott, before you got in working in the industry, did you used to play at all? No, I mean, Mo is kind of somewhere that we would sometimes get scratch offs um, growing up for holidays and stuff like that, which I'll put the official line in. Make sure you know. We, we uh, as a lottery industry, we we don't support people giving lottery tickets to people under eighteen years old. Uh, <laughs> which statement? My story. Yeah, uh, which is a, yeah. So yeah, that you gift responsibly, you know. Uh, yeah, that was really my experience. With it was just like getting lottery tickets growing up, um, not really like being much like into gambling anyway. Um, even with it, like when I got to the industry, I find it fascinating. It's a really interesting like industry to be in. But even if I was not in the industry anymore, I'm not sure if I would like pick up a whole bunch more of, of playing with it, uh, playing lottery. It's just more of some people really like the entertainment and exuberance that comes with like dreaming about what they can do with this money or like find that chance to break up their day by uh, having this little fun thing that they can do. Cause that's really what like we've always viewed as this is entertainment you know if like if your thing is you really like to 
go to the movies once a week. You know, you're spending thirty, forty dollars on the movies, depending on what you're doing and how many people you bring. Like playing a few scratch offs a couple times a week, and you find that similar type of entertainment like gives you same like, in it like feeling. Then that's what you're into. Like we support that like that because that is what we're trying to sell. It's just the entertainment um, with it. Smoke, spoken like a true marketer there, Scott. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. We Thank sell you. an experience, not a product. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's jump into uh, some lottery news. You're a newsman. I ever tell you otherwise? You in the face. All right. Well, I'll kick it off with uh, a news from Maryland, uh, the state lottery over there, and a woman actually made a mistake while playing a lottery game that turned what would have been a small prize into $103,000. So she did it on a game called Racetracks, which is a computer animated lottery game that offers the thrill of horse racing and the payout and prizes of a Kino game. Uh, The player, she said, intended to use the numbers two, nine, five, and 10, which was her father's go-to numbers when betting on a race like the Kentucky Derby. Uh, and she was going to do it for a series of five races, but she actually made the mistake and put it all those numbers down on one. And um, she, the odds of her winning that were one in 25 or about 26,000 odds to win. And, and the, the super effective prize on the tickets um, on both tickets simultaneously. So it was pretty crazy that what had happened and it was a complete mistake and she walked out with a hundred thousand dollars. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, you'd be surprised how often that if players come in and they have their set of numbers and for some reason the, the clerk or something types them in wrong onto the, and it prints out the wrong numbers that they didn't want. You'd be surprised how often that that's almost considered like a good luck thing sometimes that oh, people yeah. take that ticket and be like, oh, like even if the clerk can refund it or the clerk is willing to like, you know, keep themselves and not charge them for that ticket, it will be like, players will still want it because they're like that could be the lucky ticket like that random occurrence Fate. what could make me could be the big winner i i honestly i think that's that's makes a lot of sense to me i think that there are a lot of people especially that play those big ticket things i would estimate are believers in like oh like fate and you know this will happen to me and so if something like tinkers with it it's like perfect well, that's great that's that gives me even more confidence that i'll win yeah, that's, that's funny. Yeah, I think it's very similar to like sports, like in that sense that people yeah. are like, you know, they'll they have their own sets of ways and traditions and stuff, but you know, their team wins a game and they were wearing two odd pairs of socks for whatever kind of reason that not just became a new tradition that they're going to wear those same socks for every other playoff game for it. That it's just like these rolling, like seeing things in the world that reminds them what they're passionate about and that they're going to. That that's it's a, the superstition that they want to follow through because it could be lucky. Yeah, for sure. Well, my story uh, is is not a good lottery story, I oh, guess you no. could say. Oh, so no. the title is The Lottery Lawyer Promised Winners He'd Protect Their Money. Then He Stole Millions, the feds say. Ooh. So this guy's name is Jason Kurland, and he promoted himself as the go-to law lawyer for lottery lottery winners and so he was coined the lottery lawyer well apparently he was working with some mafia people and was actually stealing 
tens of millions of dollars from his clients um, and actually has been indicted. Um, he, he defrauded three lottery winners out of $107 million, which is just unbelievable oh, that you could defraud crazy. somebody f- that much money. But so he's been charged with that. Uh, I think on, on Tuesday was the, the date that he got charged. So, and that's what we, we like. We, the lotteries never like officially offer or, like legal advice for anything. But you know, the general thing is that make sure when you're when you're before you cash in your ticket that you find trustworthy people to be working with you, like trustworthy lawyers, trustworthy accountants, all that kind of stuff, and have it all set up before you ever come in for things. Because yeah, you don't want to get pulled into a gimmick like this. It sounds like where they yeah. They trusted one wrong person instead of hopefully building a team around them that uh, with that team, they can kind of check themselves within it. Yeah. He, he basically told them all to move, shut down their social media, and change their phone numbers. So kind of drop off the face of the earth so he could take their money and nobody would know that and he no was. No one know. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Crazy. Scott, this is kind of a random question, but related. Is there a. Um accountability type thing on the state lotteries to be to almost provide a little bit of assistance on now what like do you you ever get the feeling like that might be a thing or if it isn't already um i don't recall if there's anything that um really provide like besides like the steps in order to claim their tickets sure yeah like recommendations of like sign the back of your tickets and stuff like that to claim ownership yeah. over it. Um, I don't think the lotteries do a ton with that just because it's more of a liability thing. But like there's, you know, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence or like a lot of anecdotal things that like make it said about um, what people should be doing. Like don't do certain things, do certain stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, take your time with things. Like if someone thinks they're a winner, like, just take your time like you don't have to find out for most yeah. stages somewhere between like a year to uh, or like half a year to a year to kind of claim tickets it's like you don't need to rush like make sure you have a very full sense of what you're in i don't think lotteries just i don't think lotteries put too much like exact details on it just because they don't want to be yeah. personally responsible for someone's actions by giving them um too many yeah a lot of people do add in like a lot of people have been going the trend of using trusts in order to claim tickets because um, it's varies by state but not all states allow you to remain anonymous when you claim your tickets um, so it's varies. some states allow you to claim anonymously some states don't um, some states it's on the records but they won't advertise it so they all vary a whole bunch which has led to a lot of people going and doing trusts um, before and having them claim it on their behalf. And while there's still the information, if someone was really digging towards into it, they can probably find out some information about the winner. They do that a lot of times just because they don't want that media exposure towards it. Because once you know, if you're, if you win a giant jackpot and the first thing you do is show up on a television show saying you have won this amount, I'm sure you'll find a whole bunch of new friends very quickly that are willing to show you what the best way to manage that amount of money is. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're uh, cruising right along, so let's uh, drop some knowledge uh, on our our lottery friend, Scott. As we normally do, I'm the history guy, and Justin is the stats guy. We always start with history, so we're going to do it again. So the first known records of the lottery were actually Kino slips, and they came around 
in about the 200 BC time period in the Chinese Han Dynasty. And these types of uh, lotteries were actually believed to help finance major government projects like the Great Wall of China. So really, even at the beginning of lotteries, you know, we're talking about these beneficiaries and, and you know, the, the things that lotteries are going to support. Uh, the Roman Empire, they would hold, quote unquote, lotteries initially as as parts of dinner parties. And they were really more of giveaways as they would give each uh, guest a, a ticket and you would win something regardless of whether you had it or you know, if your ticket was pulled at the time, like you were guaranteed to win something. The first lotteries that uh, were offered for sale of tickets and the the prizes came in the form of money was in the 15th century. uh, And this is from the areas of of the Netherlands and Belgium or what what are now the Netherlands and Belgium. Uh, Various towns would hold public lotteries to raise money for town fortifications and to help the poor. So the Dutch state Setslotchki, Lutchergi, Wallace, Brian, is the oldest uh, running lottery in the world. Good luck finding that based off of my. Yeah, I think I could spell it. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely spell it looking at it. So uh, the word lottery is actually de- derived from the Dutch word of lot which means fate. So also in the 15th century in Genoa, Italy, the lotto, lotto became very popular and people used to bet on the name of the great council members. And so apparently their great council was actually ch- uh, chosen every six months and it was five selections of nine candidates and they would just make a new selection. But when people wanted to bet more than twice a year they began to substitute the names uh, with numbers and that's really when the the modern lotto began so and the english side of the the lottery uh king james uh, authorized a, a lottery in in 1612 that granted virginia company of london the right to raise money to establish settlers in the first permanent english colony Jamestown, Virginia. It, it has been recorded that there's been, you know, there was about 200 lotteries that were sanctioned between 1744 and 1776. And they played a, a major role in financing the roads, libraries, churches, colleges, canals, and bridges uh, throughout the, the colonies. And then in, in 1740s, the, the foundation of Princeton and Columbia universities were actually financed by by lotteries, uh, as well as the uh, University of Pennsylvania uh, was was financed by the Academy Lottery in 1755. Hmm. So uh, Benjamin Franklin actually organized a lottery to raise money to purchase cannons for the defense of Philadelphia. Uh, several of these lotteries offered prizes in the form of pieces of eight. Uh, and I'm not really sure what that was, but it was, quote, pieces of eight. Who knows? No idea. Yeah. <laughs> George Washington uh, also had the Mountain Road Lottery in 1768. Uh, and it was very unsuccessful. And these rare lottery tickets actually had Washington's signature on them. And 
they have been reportedly sold for more than fifteen thousand dollars. This was back like ten years ago, so I, I can only imagine what it's been now. But um, you know, these are collectors' items now. So at the onset of the revolutionary revolutionary war. Uh, the Continental Congress used lotteries to raise money for support of the colonial army. And lotteries were really a widespread thing in early American Republic. In 1832, it was reported that 420 lotteries had been held in eight states in that year. And after the Civil War, the southern states used lotteries to finance reconstruction. However, the Corruption by the private lottery organizers actually led to opposition for it. And, and so we started to see a decline in that. So uh, Louisiana was actually one of the big ones. Um, they had a priv- private lottery that was uh, bribing legislatures so legislators so they could keep the profits for the lottery. They also would add in all unsold tickets into the barrel so that the company actually you know, when they actually pick the, the tickets, the company would more often than not end up winning its own lottery. So you talked about yeah. the, the trust factor there. Wait, real quick, Brian, the, um, like that, that scenario, I'm surprised doesn't happen more often. Maybe in today's days, there's like, there's a lot more policing of it. I, I'm sure of that, but like, I mean, I was watching Scott. I don't know if you saw this, Brian. I don't know if you eventually did, but the McMillions documentary, like, I mean, that's almost like this, right? Like, it's lotteries and whatever, but it's so it just shows you how in that one's a unique one, but how these things can fall apart with the right people or the wrong people in the right spots. Uh, so, yep. yeah, it's well, well you can see there's, I mean, there's been controversies. I'm sure you can, like, if you go on Wikipedia or look up, like, um, lottery controversies throughout the years there's been you know there's there has been their fair share of them that happened and i think the good thing that's from it is that like you know you can't always plan for every single outcome but as like technology's gotten more sophisticated over time so as all these like security things got more and more sophisticated over time that it's like yeah back in the day when they used to do everything with little paper and couriers to try and bring stuff around from like take those monies and tickets to bring it back to a place to then do something from the drum versus now where you have secure lockdown studios and like uh, multiple layers of security within scratch offs that prevent like manipulation at any level mm-hmm. um it, it's just like uh, it's gotten a lot better than like obviously these cases back in the day when it was yeah a lot of things security's tough yeah yeah so so in 1878 the supreme court actually decided that lotteries had a a quote-unquote demoralizing influence upon the people and so they actually banned them um so for a good portion you know about 100 years ago we didn't have any lotteries and then it wasn't until the 1930s uh when nevada made casinos legal in the 1930s and then shortly after that puerto rico became the first uh uh uh, not state, but uh, territory of the United States. And I don't. I don't think they were actually a territory of the United States at that point. But um, I'm gonna have to check. Somebody's gonna have to check that one. But uh, they were at least reported as the first territory to have a a lottery start again, um, a government run lottery. 
But then the first state that had one was uh, in 1963 when New Hampshire legislature allowed the sweepstakes um, and a lottery to raise money for education. So now we just flash forward to today and we have uh, 45 states and three territories that operate uh, lotteries uh, through their their government. And, you know, nearly all of those are part of the two national games with Mega Millions and Powerball. Ironically, you know, one of the states that does not have a lottery is is Nevada. So we also have uh, Alaska, Hawaii, Utah, and Alabama are the three. And then the the last uh, history piece that I have is is just that in it wasn't until 2018 that Ohio became the first state to actually offer a digital digital lo- lottery option. 2018. Yeah, so there's um, so that's a complicated history that would take a long time to figure out, and there's still some stuff with it. But it basically there was um, a piece of legislation called the Wire Act that it was it was the purpose of it was to prevent illegal sports betting of like from the mob and such during the time when it was produced, uh, and it basically prevented um, state like using. Um, phone lines and such like that uh like i imagine it has to yeah it has to do with probably across state lines and all that kind of stuff yeah the like the interstate commerce of it um wires and not using wires and that kind of stuff in order to basically convey booking information back on sports betting and that was that was way and then but that at the same time it prevented states from really being able to do that as well from it um and then there was a decision that and there's a very complicated part of the last couple of years of where like the decision on it and different administrations have different decisions on it. But at the time they basically then allowed the states saying that like it was only restricted to sports betting, which allowed the state lotteries to get into then online gaming and be able to offer those things um, with themselves. To to be honest, I you know I I was looking up that news um, and we'll probably talk a little bit more as we go, but I didn't realize that they online was a thing and i didn't i never questioned it in terms of why it isn't or or i don't know but like i just didn't even realize that lotteries had that ability but now looking at them i would doing my research i was shocked to find that they didn't exist more but that that i guess explains it why it didn't in some states and just like other types of legislation some states the legislators decide they want to allow it some states didn't um so like the jurisdiction that I just finished up working for, they don't, they just don't allow online gaming regardless. Um, and so it's still like a state by state issue as much as um, it, like it is like a national issue for some of the stuff, but it's a state by state legislative thing. All right. Well, I will jump into some stats as I usually do. So Scott, Scott had a little bit of a sneak peek on my, my stats here. So I don't think I'm going to stump him, but maybe, maybe he'll forget. But yeah, so in in 2018, which is the most recent report uh, that is, I believe, available, at least to the public, Americans spent a combined $76 billion on the lottery, which puts the expenditure per capita in the U.S. at $232 a year, which is up about 13 bucks since the 2017 figures. I know this is like, it's kind of crazy to think about like I don't spend that by any means. And I occasionally dabble with the tickets, 
Um, there's a lot of people like Brian that don't play at all, which means that there's a lot of people that play a lot uh, that take those averages up. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. I saw, I, I, I took it out, but I, I, I did see a number that it was something like 49 or about 50% of Americans are playing lottery games in some capacity. Yeah. And, and that changes by like uh, the state, obviously, too. Like mm-hmm. uh, certain states in the Northeast have a lot higher penetration of people playing lottery than like other places in the country where it's just not, not as common. Uh, yeah. Which is a perfect segue to my next stat here because lottery players from Massachusetts, which you are familiar with here, Scott, uh, spent the most on lottery in 2018 at $765.90. And its figure is up from the previous year of 737. Um, so this is pretty pretty high in comparison. North Dakota uh, had the lowest expenditure per capita, going from thirty four dollars and sixty eight cents in 2017 to down to thirty dollars and thirty two cents. So pretty pretty big difference there between the two states. Yeah, and one of the things that, like, some of those numbers, which those numbers have a lot to it because obviously that's that part of those expenditures, uh, part of that's going back to the, the beneficiaries for the different states. Um, but a lot of that is also going back to the players and prizes. And then it, it fluctuates by different game and by jurisdiction, but, like, uh, usually somewhere between somewhere around 70% around that amount. It can fluctuate up to 80%, maybe a little less than that for some places too. But an overwhelming majority basically of each of those purchases is going back to the player and some sort of prizes. Um, so that's where it's like, it might seem like a lot of number, but you gotta remember that a lot of it's going back to the player and then a lot of it's also going back to the cities and towns to help support for the things they need most or like whatever the state. I mean, they win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because a lot of people are spending money and not winning that, but, but yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> It's hard to take off the marketing hats, God. I understand. Yeah. No, but it, it, it's it's. I mean, the math is um the math is the math. It's like you're it's yeah. a not to get into like the end of one. But like your personal experience, um, isn't always comparable to like the average. Like yeah, I'm like you know someone might win a whole bunch. It's like a bell curve. A bunch little. Someone doesn't win at all. Uh, and so it all just at the end of the day, I'm, over the course of lots of people playing, it averages out to um, a lot going back to players. Yeah. So a couple of quick stats related to this um, in comparison. Washington State is $92 for those who are local listeners. Uh, For the people back in my hood, uh, Pennsylvania is $304 and uh, Virginia is $236. So somewhere in the middle there. I I did want to look a little bit extra. So when you look at spend per medium household income, uh, and look at the percentage because you, you can, you know, some places you make a lot of money, you, you spend a lot. Um, and, and that weirdly does not come into effect with Washington. Uh, but number one was West Virginia with nearly 1% of their income going towards lottery. And then number two was Massachusetts. So still high up there. Number 10, Pennsylvania, 20, Virginia, and 40, number 40 for Washington. So it's a high income state, and we don't buy lottery tickets. Um, is what I gather from that. So, so one $2 ticket for Powerball offers a lot of zeros and a three, four (laughs) percent, eight zeros in particular, uh, chance of winning. Uh, and then a $1 mega millions ticket gives a player in, uh, a better 
odds, but still really low at eight zeros. And so, then not to correct you either. So that oh, actually okay. so um, your information is a little outdated because Mega okay. Millions is actually two dollars. Um, okay. Very. Wow. Yeah. So now Powerball and Mega Millions are both two dollars. Um, they're they're matrices, which is basically like how many number how many numbers you pick out what pool of numbers like yeah. five or whatever. They're basically the same. Um, so they're very much like they uh, very similar games. There's there's not a lot of difference between. Then why do they both exist? That was my uh, question. Short story, long story. Short story that there was uh, at a time not all states. At a time there was like states either sold Powerball or states sold Mega Millions. Yeah. And then did this thing where they basically then made this agreement where everyone's going to basically sell both games, and then Powerball moved to two dollars because we see that people like want bigger jackpots like people are chasing bigger and bigger jackpots so if you increase the price to it and change the matrix you can get bigger jackpots out of it because there's more money going into it and longer odds of winning that and so with the successes that powerball did mega millions decided to follow suit and do and adjust their matrix and increase the price of theirs as well um knowing that they want to also get like a great prize 10 years ago of a hundred million dollars. Well, now players are expecting that the top part of that jackpot to be $500 million or more. Yeah. Um, that's what they had to, they had adjusted it kind of based on the consumer expectations and demand. Yeah, that makes sense. So a couple of stats. So your odds of winning, I, I've heard this said before, um, but I'll, I'll bring it back for those who haven't heard. So the odds of winning is one, and this varies, I'm sure, uh, as Scott would probably say, but one in 258 million. Uh, is that, is that, I think it's the top prize odds, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. To win the top prize. Yeah. No, that sounds about, I'm sure, whatever. I, I'm sure it varies every year and, and based off of certain things, but, but basically 258 million. So that's the one. Okay. That's one thing about draw games um, like Powerball and Mega Millions that your odds of winning don't change. Um, from drawing to drawing, um, okay. your odds of winning like uh, a prize because the the prizes are guaranteed basically each drawing. That like if you the, you one play, you have the same odds uh, of winning something for per each purchase of a ticket. Um, mm-hmm. Versus like scratch off tickets, you know, if a, if a prize is won of a scratch off ticket, then that prize is no longer available. Like the, if they have five of this prize and you win one, then there's only four. Um, so it's a little di- like like that nuanced difference between the two. Okay. Well, a couple things that are more likely um, to happen to you uh, than winning the lottery. Uh, being attacked by a shark is one in 11.5 million. Killed by a vending machine. Yes, that's a thing. One in 112 million. So you're twice as likely to be killed by a vending machine than winning the lottery. Uh, killing, killed by a falling coconut. thought that was fun. Uh, one in 50.7 million. Uh, and then this was also like what uh, actually becoming a millionaire is one in 20. One in 20 people in the United States are a millionaire. Um, now that obviously goes into equity and all this other stuff that you may mm-hmm. have, but one in 20 are an actual millionaire. Now, granted, these pots are like ridiculous. Sure. Uh, but you do with a million dollars these days anyway. And yeah, you know, right? it was a million dollars. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, a couple other real quick stats. So uh, after winning, there was some, a study done by Kaplan that said that um, 37% of winners invested in stocks, bonds, or real estate. 
17% of winners used the money to liquidate debts. 23% of winners used the money to buy a house. And 37% used lottery winnings to take a vacation. But this was interesting. Uh, and there was this, maybe you have uh, differing opinions on this, but nearly one third of lottery winners declare bankruptcy. And there was a number that was floating around that was 70% that was refuted, but multiple like Forbes, CNN, like multiple news sources were sort uh, saying 70% of people who win the lottery go bankrupt uh, with, and a lot of them said within three to five years. But this, this most recent one I thought was the most modest and, and not refuted, which said nearly uh, one third, so. Yeah, um, so that's probably, and not like, Hey, exactly your sources. I'm sure it's probably more of like the big jackpot winners for stuff. Yes. Yeah. So you got to, and 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 that's where you know it, when I talked about earlier of making sure you have a right team with you and like take your time with stuff too, because um, I think a lot of that has to go with people make rash decisions sometimes when they come to this. Um, so if you take it's it's the same thing of if you go from not having much money to a whole bunch of money not realizing that when you have increased amount, you know, your taxes go up, these other things go up, uh, just a more expensive lifestyle when they have that kind of stuff that you gotta have, make sure you have that team with you to try and avoid that. I think it can be true when you even talk about, um, you know, anyone that kind of comes into money for the first time, whether it's actors or athletes or whatever it is, making sure you really have your head on like, what does this money actually mean in context and not trying to, not trying, you know, not have to buy everything the first time you get a big paycheck for something. I'm really like looking at your lifestyle and having those people tell you like what things are important. Yeah. Well, I'd like to think that because you're my friend, if you won the lottery and you weren't working for them, that you would uh, offer me some, some money, Scott. So off the grid, I'm going off the grid, I'm changing my phone number. Nope. Nope. This, uh, in North I think Dakota. it's a perfect transition <laughs> to our friendship test here, Brian. Uh, let, let's, let's do some questions. Sounds good. Can we just become best friends? Yep. All right, Justin. Scott, you can't really apply to this because you can't play the lottery. I mean, you could if you if you want to chime in and feel free. But uh, since you can't play the lottery, if you uh, you win the lottery, are you going to take the lump sum? Or are you going to take it as an annuity and paid out? I don't even know, Scott. How? What are your options? How how long can you get paid out for? Does it vary? Uh, it, it varies by game. I think it varies a little bit by state for it, but usually somewhere between like, I think it's somewhere between 20 and 30 years is pretty common. Yeah. Well, for me, I think uh, I'd have to, I'd have to crunch the numbers to be honest. Like I'd have to look at, you know, there's, there's value in getting that lump sum initially because then you can invest it and grow over time. So that is appealing, but I believe the, I think you said earlier, Scott, the payments are higher overall if you get paid out in that annuity structure so it depends or taxes are less well it's the difference like the issue is with a tax a lot of times like that if the tax code changes for certain things that's really where like you sometimes get into uh, like what is certain taxes and like same thing with your annuity payments what is the um what are your like annual annuity amounts going to be for certain stuff so there's a whole bunch of these like variables that happen with annuities that can change what you're going to be potentially paying in taxes and like interest rates and all that kind of stuff versus lump sum. You know, like at that moment, this is what your taxes are going to be. This is what your, um, 
what you're getting from an interest standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 again, without crunching the numbers, I think that the more appealing ones, but, but you can't, like getting the you, money. You, yeah. Yeah. You, you're not necessarily going to, even if you crunch the numbers right at this moment, you're not going to know exactly what's going to happen in 20 to 30 years when you take that final payment too. Right. Like sure. It, it's a, it's a gamble either way. So, yeah. right. And that, that's the question, right? Like, I think that there's, there's less risk, you know, the situation you're getting in off the top. Yes. There's risk in not choosing the other option, I guess. But in terms of like factors at play, I think the first option is the simplest. And then again, I think with investing, you know, you hold, you, you put that money into stocks or mutual funds or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, you may get paid out more with the annuity on paper at this moment, but when you talk about inflation and opportunity cost of of taking that money and doing something with it, you know, because that money is not gaining value over those years either. So right. uh, it definitely makes Scott, more sense to take the lump sum. Do, do they, do, do you, um, like, does the lottery want you to go with the second option? Is that like the annual? Or is there no benefit to the lottery either way? Uh, I've never heard anyone ever say that there's a benefit either way for the lottery. Okay. Uh, we have some games where it's built in kind of how the marketing of the game. Like there's a, a game, it's pretty similar between the two. There's a Lucky for Life game and a Cash for Life game um, where you can win X amount of money per day for the rest of your life. And that's where it's like, a, like it's part of the marketing almost for you to kind of like get that kind of thing um but otherwise i don't think there's really any ben i don't think a lot of benefits well, as there, far as I'm there may be well i would just guess that there may be benefit to holding on to the money so that they can then be accruing interest on the money by not paying it out we don't so we don't really we as a state and once again this is a little bit of heavier finance section than me working in marketing um but i don't think we make I don't believe that the states make money off of interest of it's probably in like prizes. yeah, like escrow or something, something similar to that, yeah. or it just yeah. has to kind of sit there. Yeah. What's the first thing you do, Justin, or or buy with your lottery uh, winnings? You know, I, I I've thought about this one, and um, honestly, I think the first thing I buy is like a candy bar. I think. <laughs> It's going to be something like what? super small and irrelevant <laughs> because you know what? You know what? What's going to happen is everybody's going to ask you that question. Literally everybody in the world is going to ask you that question. And if you say a car or a house or a boat, like, fine, I'm going to buy that too. But the first thing I'm buying is something small and, 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 you know, what type, story of, can worthy. What type of candy bar? Uh, you know, I probably will go with uh, Hershey's Cookies and Cream. Uh, it's one of my favorite bars in in in, uh, in the past, and you know, I think I'd go with that one. Yeah. Scott, what, what you? Uh, Scott, what do you uh, if you were fictitiously win the lottery? What would be the first thing? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a good question. Because um, I think the first thing I would do is probably end up just like taking a trip. And just like getting off the grid for like, I, I meant I joked about like doing the bunker in North Dakota. I'd probably end up literally just like, I'm going to put the money away for whatever accountant. And then I'm going to go and just like spend some time just kind of like 
off and away and then figure and then like just relax from it because we'll, the last thing we'll do is obviously just rush into it so vacation yeah yeah that's a good idea yeah yeah uh i think i'd probably i mean it it, it kind of sounds lame but i'd pay off my house yeah. that'd be the first thing i would do it's a smart decision and yeah. and then and then evaluate from there but uh that'd probably be the first thing nothing yeah, nothing extravagant the loan part is definitely the the financial wise thing to do first, right? Like just pay off all your loans and then and then start seeing what you have to spend <laughs> from there. Um, but uh, all right, well, what uh, maybe your bias, Scott, I don't know, um, but for the, for the two of you, what is the best type of lottery game? Is it the scratch off style or is it that big, you know, win the big bucks kind of game? Brian, what, what, what's your? Thoughts? I mean, I, I think um, I'm not likely to do either, as we talked about. But but if I was to do one, I would say the scratch off would be where I would go because, I, I mean, it, it's one of those things. Is those those long odds? Yes, it would be awesome if I won it, but but even just a little bit of a winning would would be nice, you know. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't need to be the big dog, but if I can be, you know, win, a, win a couple bucks, win a hundred bucks, you know, I think that's where I, I, my jam would be at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Scott. Uh, I, like as much as I may have managed in my career, like games like Powerball and Mega Millions, I would also like, I like scratch offs just cause I, I like the prize is an important thing too. But honestly, I just like something like the physical feel of, a. A ticket sometimes is just mm-hmm. like it's just something fun about that immediate gratification of being able to sit there scratch off something and see what a prize is um like like all draw games are great you just kind of there's it's, I'm, I'm definitely in the millennial sense of like i want to buy something i kind of want to see what my prize is right away like let's let, let's go i just got that sense of like once i get into gaming like i'm ready like all right next next thing let's go yeah yeah i mean the scratch offs definitely feel that for you um i i'm i'm definitely team scratch uh for sure and that instant gratification i'm also like an odd i I like the odds like one in four one in three and a half okay i can do those odds like i I, i'm much more maybe boring in that way where i'm like i know i'm not gonna win the lottery i'm not gonna play it i'm not gonna waste my money to for one in 200 and some billion or million chance like I'm going to just play a $2 scratch ticket and hope that I win $10, you know, that's, that's fine. And you know, both can be very expensive if you pay, you know, over time or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I I actually have a funny story I was just thinking about. Um, So about 10 years ago, I bought a scratch ticket and I scratched, uh, I usually, what I do is I didn't realize this was maybe a thing, um, but I usually scratch off the numbers without the values first and then if i win then i'll scratch off the what i won so it's not like oh i got the oh now i know ex- immediately what i won like i i wait until the very end and if i did win i have to scratch off the numbers well 10 years ago i did a i had a card and uh i won i won something and it was up to like i don't know ten thousand dollars was the max or i don't know what it was something crazy and i won something but I didn't scratch off 
the winning and I put it on a post board and I just looked at it every day for an entire year and then realized that after a year, you can't trade it in. I did scratch it off. It was a free ticket. That's all it was. So all that hoopla, all that for nothing. Who knows that free ticket? That was the free ticket was the winner, Justin. That's if, if it honestly, like I would have cried if if that was like a big actual win because I it was like I don't know I didn't know that they expired in a certain amount of time or whatever and yeah I don't know but yeah oh and just to let you like just to clarify one thing about the the draw games too as we're as we're going through with the odds and stuff so like there are a lot of people think of obviously Powerball and Mega Millions with the top prizes but there are prizes you can win up and down the board depending on how much you match and stuff um like I, I just pulled up powerball just so i had it in front of me for it and it's like overall odds of winning any prize are one in about 25 so they have prizes that you can win for different stuff too which is one of the things people you tend to forget about those big games um because because the real big thing if you're looking for other tips and tricks of the games is to do you want to look at not necessarily the odds a lot of times you want to look at the payout so like a game like powerball and mega millions they pay out at 50 percent so like half of the sales go back to players and prizes versus a scratch off could pay out 70%, 75%. So they can like, that's kind of, if you want to look at numbers, odds odds can come, sometimes be misleading versus sure. like, payout, you know, like a certain amount of this game is yeah. going to pay like back to players. Yeah. So uh, I did have a question on that. So we we're saying, you know, one in tw- 250 million, is there a cap to the number of tickets you can actually buy? the number of tickets you can actually buy yeah uh, like could you go buy i mean because essentially that would be 500 million yeah. tick or 500 million dollars investment so when you get over 500 million dollars of of a payout i mean if you have that if you have that kind of spare capital around you yeah know, like trying to um i think also functionally be really difficult to like print that many <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which one's the winner uh, oh my yeah. gosh! Can you imagine? Yeah, and like doing every single combination of numbers. Yeah, I because I've thought about that before too. That's actually a funny thing that um, I was like, oh, someone could do that. But at the same time, theoretically, yes, feasibility probably no. And then at the same time, the worst possible thing would be if someone like because multiple people can hit the jackpot if they have the same numbers. Mm. Um, like you have your ticket and then uh you know uh, someone in florida also has a winning ticket well they're taking half of that top jackpot prize that you might not calculate into your um formula so it's a, it's a risky it's a <laughs> technically not really possible and then also I mean, it's, it's, a very- it's gambling so it's, it's gambling yeah it's just, yeah so what is your your guys's gambling fix or fill because we talked about you know none of us are really big people in the lottery so where do you find entertainment in that gambling gaming type of realm? Um, well, I'll, I'll answer for me. I think there's a couple things. Um, I will still play a little bit of poker, played some online during quarantine. That's always fun. Couple, couple little dollars thrown in there from a gambling perspective. Um, but like fantasy football is one. I don't put a lot of money down on that, but, uh, but it's always fun to, to just you know play with with uh with that and i i lean on games that are tied to skill that that's my thing and this is maybe why the lottery and other things don't apply as much to me um i'd rather be able to like i can 
I can do research into how to become a better poker player. I can do a, a lot of research for fantasy football, and I enjoy that. Um, how often do you so win I, at fantasy football, though? Uh, I won a oh, fair sh- amount. Scott's shaking I, his head. Scott's I shaking his head. Last year, I won one championship of my three leagues, uh, and I've probably won in the last five years. I've probably won five championships over the course of that. One year, I won two or three of them, which was fun. Brian, I was shaking my head because he wins very often because he seems to have maybe like professional knowledge of the sport. No, mm. I don't have yeah, yeah, insider, insider yeah. knowledge. Like, hmm. Yeah, no not no more. Just more that he's like very much engrossed into the. I am engrossed in it. Yes. Than uh, the rest of us who might not. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Game weekend. That's a that's a good weekend. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. What about you guys? Um, so I mean, I, I play fan, obviously play fantasy football with you for a long time, uh, which has always been fun. And then, but the stuff that I I will go to a casino and play blackjack, um, between blackjack and slots, a little bit of roulette maybe, but like blackjack, just because I don't really like to spend a whole bunch of money when I go to the casino. It's more of the atmosphere and the entertainment part of it. So I'll go and like start with a hundred dollars and play blackjack which you don't lose very fast you also don't win very fast so it's just kind of like a good way to kill a couple hours if you're looking for something just fun to do yeah i would say slots i I don't know what about slots i like i like just kind of mindlessly sitting there (laughs) (laughs) are you a button guy or are you a lever guy i'm a button uh it's hard to find levers so yeah i feel like they're still there but they're you don't actually pull yeah you don't actually have to pull them yeah you just because there's so many options now like you you can pick you know three across and diagonals and all that kind of stuff and like you don't even really know why you win sometimes oh i I get you i I go for whatever the biggest branded walking dead game of thrones one i can find i'm gonna find i'm I'm not sure what's going on so you you are exactly who you are marketing to normally like you are the guy that is like oh flashing lights and colors and and something i know about i'm gonna play this game no i I wait until like if it doesn't have a two screens where it can do like all the fancy stuff at the top and you like (laughs) hit a big prize dragon comes in yeah like oh this is amazing this is exactly what i'm here for yeah all right like two dollars like oh it's cool that's fun (laughs) All right. Well, before we get on to delusional thinking, I do have to let everybody know that Puerto Rico became a U.S. territory in 1917. So by 1934, when it started the first government-run lottery, it was the first in the United States or for the United States. So uh, a little bit of backtracking there, but uh, now we will get into some delusional thinking. You really are crazy. All right. Justin and Scott, you can certainly weigh in on here, but you know you can't win the lottery, so I, I don't know how you're going to do this. But um, would you rather win a million dollars in the lottery or live twice as long? And I, I want to put a, a clarifier on this too because I think it's necessary. I, I, the the living twice as long needs needs clarification. And I think the way we could do this is once you turn, like you age like half, half as, as fast as much as you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half as fast. Yeah. Uh, and so it, that, yeah, it's not like you're living until you're 
200 years old like yeah that would suck yeah yeah when you're <laughs> like, 100 easy option one when you're 100 yeah. you're still living you know you're still living 100 years past you know a normal 50 year like as you're 50 years old right like you're yeah yep um yeah, hmm. you're saying like if the average life expectancy is like 80 something years old then you're like living to 160 but you're at 160 you feel like you're 80 yes correct that 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 is the logic that i would like to go by for this question so um well i'll i'll just kind of speak what i'm thinking first um so the the money piece is obviously great i'd love to have a million dollars in my pocket right now um i don't know if i guess taxes would have to be taken out of that um, I don't know if that's applied in this. Look about $650,000 or so after taxes. <laughs> right, well, let's say no taxes. Okay. Um, you actually get a million dollars in your pocket. Uh, it, obviously very appealing. I, I would love that. That's a life changer. Um, there's some tragic things that I was reading a lot about of when it happens, uh, what could happen to you kind of thing. As I mentioned, the bankruptcy and some of that other stuff. But I think if you're smart with it, I think that would be great. Like that would that would be good. Um, the living twice as long is interesting. Obviously, more life is great. Like, wouldn't everybody want more life? I do think that even at aging slower, like everyone else around you isn't. And for me, that's like, you know, uh, like if I'm married and and I'm staying young and we stay married for fifty years and like she's an old lady and I'm like this young dude, like, I feel like that's going to be weird. Um, so I, 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 and then you, then you start to see people pass away and like, you're still living pet. Like it's kind it's of a curse. Yeah. The Benjamin Bunn, right? so, oh yeah. The Benjamin. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. um, and so I, I'm actually like turned off by the idea of living longer. And that sounds crazy. Cause I think it, it's beneficial to live longer. That's great. But like, I, I, I kind of lean toward just give me the, give me the money. Like I'd rather do that. Hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I'd still go with the live twice as long. Cause I don't, cause I would like, in my mind, I'm, I, without the whole Benjamin button thing going on for a second, there's and like the Benjamin button vampire thing. Um, but like living twice as long. I was thinking like in total income, it could generate. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So working time probably equals more than a million dollars at the end of it between Definitely. all the like, so like you would theoretically make more money by living twice as long but you're also working twice as long which i like well maybe you don't maybe you don't have yeah. to work twice as long because well I no guess you would because your, yeah you would you have to you, you have to pay for twice as long of retirement or whatever it is you know yeah yeah that's true yeah so you'd still just be paying, yeah, more or just working a lot more. Um, does that, but does the uh, the gloominess that I bring up does that not come into question? Like you, you don't care. You just you just keep trucking along while everybody's dropping like flies. Yeah, no, like like you know, I'll just have uh, like niece and nephew. They'll just be adults and stuff, and then like I'll like then they'll have their kids. You get to see more generations of future family members that you wouldn't have gotten to enjoy the time with, you know, you're, uh, I just think I like the thought of living twice as long because I also think that I also like the idea of 
being there to see technology changes and stuff over time. Mm. Like you'd be there for like more of these like crazy worldly milestones. Um, like, I mean, I saw something that recently of a woman that passed away and she was over a hundred years old. And I was like, she had survived through like, you know, the world wars, all these different wars that happened through different things. And like these national monumental events. Now just think of like living twice as long to see twice as many of those things happening. It just, it'd be an interesting time. It'd be interesting. At some point you become a celebrity too, right? So like oh, for sure. you, you yeah. become, regardless of the people you are close with, yes, a lot of, you know, you're going to see a lot of death, right? Um, and, and people you are close with that you're going to lose, but you are going to see so much stuff and you're going to be a celebrity and, I think there's really, you know, just a financial benefit from the million dollars, but like it's, it's a, a general life, you know, benefit on the twice as long. And, you know, that doesn't mean that you're going to live till 162. Like, you know, if, if for whatever reason you were meant to go at 50 and, you know, maybe you're only getting to a hundred, hopefully, hopefully not, but you know, that might be in the yeah. cards for you. So I, I would, I would want to live twice as long as well. I think, um, a million dollars. Yeah. I think you might have to throw at least one more, if not two more zeros yeah, on there. That was going to be my, my question for you guys. If you guys don't select that option, what's the money that, that, that makes it worth your while? You said two zeros, one to two zeros on that. Yeah. So ten or one hundred million. Yeah. See, I don't think there's a uh, this. I, uh, there is. There is a big difference. Um, today's day and age, I think a million dollars is like still feels like it's a massive thing, but it's not. It's it's a lot, but it's not what it used to be. And especially if you're talking equity, right? If you're talking equity, yeah, for sure. I mean, depending yeah. on on your financial situation and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's a very achievable number nowadays, right? One in twenty, actually. Yeah, yeah. one in twenty. I mean, I mean, if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, it doesn't take you long to get to a million dollars, you know. And yeah. and there's there's plenty of, you know, jobs out there that that you can make six figures now, and mm-hmm. and maybe you know, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, that wasn't the case. And so maybe even, you know, back then that you take, you pose this question, people are living, you know, not as long. And so that twice as long maybe is, is not as long either. So it evens itself out. But I think right now, yeah, a million dollars is not chump change, but it's, it's not that much. Yeah. It had to be something that's fully life-changing money. Like, 100 million to 500 million if not more than that because like you know if you're gonna take the money it's got to be something where like you're skyrocketing in your lifestyle and like everything changes because of that money like a billion a million dollars sure will change like we just said sort of change you but like not a ton versus like a hundred million dollars that's that's life-changing i i find myself in this trap sometimes where we have these questions and i think from a reasonable level and I think, okay, well, um, I don't want my life to change all that much. I'm comfortable with a million dollars. I know what I can do with that, and I can ha- improve my life somewhat. 
hundred million dollars. Like I sure I'd love that. I just, I don't know what I would do with all that. I would, it would drastically change my life and probably for as much good as it will change. It will also create a lot of bad. And, um, I, I know, I know you, you wouldn't say that Scott as working in the industry, but I, I, I do think that, you know, the more money it does change a person. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I lean still towards the money in this scenario, just because it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I can manage that where the, the life, the change in life expectancy, like it's just going to change a lot. And, so. and I just, the thing to point out here is that, that we are, you know, the three of us are, um, you know, fairly well off, right? Like not in dire situation of needing, you know, we all have jobs currently or Scott, you're about to go to your new job. Um, you know, it, it's not like, Oh man, I am in a million dollars worth of debt right now. Um, and you know, that could play a factor if you're in a million dollars worth of debt and, and you absolutely have to have a million dollars, someone else may take that, or maybe they're homeless or whatever that may change their life. And you're just asking, you know, a couple of people who maybe that million dollars doesn't necessarily change their life as a whole and the trajectory of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. Well, uh, I think that's that's about time. We are what? How how far are we? Are we, Brian? Oh, uh, we're way over. Uh, way over. What are we at? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, not that bad. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. One. I have a ten lot. Oh my bad, guys. <laughs> no, I was well, as we were talking. No, this was really good. I, I the conversation was was solid because you are legitimately an expert in this. And like expert in a unique way where it's not like, oh, I know the history of this or X, Y, and Z, but like you're living and breathing it every day. And uh, uh, your wife might was... say that she lives and breathes Real Housewives or whatever it is she, that she was. She does She's... live and breathe the Real Housewives. That is true. Um, she She's definitely she, that. Scott, if you really want to listen to a, an interesting podcast, you should listen to our Real Housewives. Talk. Oh, man. Um, what if you guys watch on Netflix all the time when I see that on uh, Xbox? It's uh, Hulu for that one. She, she watches that. But uh, no, Netflix is usually probably at the office or community or Parks and Rec. Or, gotcha. you know, well, yeah. well, I just, Scott, I appreciate you, you staying on late for this recording yes. too. Since you're on the East Coast, we're on the West Coast. So it's pretty late for you now. And, and so now to be over an hour and almost, almost 20 minutes of recording, that appreciate the dedication to our our little podcast yeah no problem for uh accommodating yeah because and, and yeah i apologize for having to switch up schedule around what you guys thought just because of as you can see with the boxes behind me um having to stay up until midnight the day before i was supposed to move was like probably not the best idea <laughs> uh, we had to like had to move and drive eight and a half hours to get ah, down yeah. come on podcast first uh, no, uh, yeah. no. Honestly, though, like we we really do appreciate you being on on the podcast, and um, for the listeners out there, uh, we appreciate you too. Thanks for tuning in, uh, Scott. Tell tell all your friends and family. I want to I want to see um, your your mother and father on the on the podcast. I want to I want to hear their opinions on how you did. Um, <laughs> I'll send them that- to industry people, and they can tell me why everything I said was wrong as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that sounds good. That sounds good. 
but yeah, so for the listeners out there, if you haven't done it already, uh, subscribe to us on Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever you're getting your podcast, you can find us. Um, I actually just recently learned we're like in like eight different places. There's like Stitcher and there's like Overcast and like Pod some, I don't know, like Buzz, Buzzsprout does, does a good job just getting it out there. Um, so wherever you are listening, make sure you subscribe. Um, and if you want to throw us uh, some love on social, we are on Twitter at the Quest for 100 and on Facebook and Instagram at Quest for 100 Podcast. All right. Until next time on the Quest for 100. Thank you.